The episode of I Think Therefore I Fan you're about to listen to discusses in some detail the following works. Dahmer, The Silence of the Lambs, and Hannibal. You've been warned. Hello, everyone, and welcome to I Think Therefore I Fan, a pop culture and philosophy podcast. On this podcast, we'll explore the most compelling philosophical themes as we find them in all of everyone's favorite fandoms. We're your hosts. I'm Dr. Richard Green. And I'm Dr. Rachel Robison Green. Thanks for joining us. Welcome. All right, Rach, that was um, fairly ominous sounding music. Are we talking about something light and airy today, or, or what do we have? Oh, it's Halloween. It's Halloween. We're talking about serial killers. Serial killers. There have been lots of uh, interesting serial killer shows come out recently. Yeah. Dahmer's the main one that's, that everybody's talking about. Yeah, that's that's the big one, right? Number one on Netflix for several weeks in a row. Um, mm-hmm. Replaced by The Watcher, which we'll talk about a little bit later. But yeah, um, yeah. you know, um, so Ryan Murphy produced. Oh yeah, both starring, of them. Uh, yeah, right. Uh, starring Evan Peters, Dahmer is anyway. Um, so, but we thought we'd talk a little bit about serial killer, the serial killer genre in general, and then talk about the specific issues raised by Dahmer. Yeah, sounds good. Yeah, Dahmer's not without controversy. Right. So it's interesting that there's just so much media out there on the topic of serial killers. So one of the most watched shows that exists is Criminal Minds. Mm-hmm. Right? It's been on, I mean, I, I don't know if that's, it's actually over now. I've, I, I used to watch it a lot, but, um, you know, last, last time I was paying attention, it was in like its eighth season or something. Right. Yeah, it's like Law and Order. There, there's no telling mm-hmm. if it stopped. Every now and right. then you'll see, oh, these people are back and... It's 27th season. And it's like, didn't it end five years ago? Right. Yeah. 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 So they're, you know... It's like Rasputin. Like, certain shows just won't die. <laughs> yeah, so, it's, so it seems like people have just kind of an endless appetite for watching shows about serial killers. Uh, so I think one question that's an interesting question is why we enjoy that kind of genre so much, given that what serial killers do to people is the most ugly kind of thing people uh, one person can do to another. Yeah, and it seems distinct from like regular Halloween mm-hmm. time of year fair, right? Mm-hmm. Where those things are escapism. You go to this fantasy mm-hmm. land that you know that's mm-hmm. not real. Uh, but that's not true with seri- serial killer stories, right? I mean, sometimes they're fictional, but very often they're just documentaries about... Right, right. Well, I, I, I think that it's, you know, some of the reason why we enjoy it uh, has to do with, is, is similar to why we enjoy other horror films. Like, we'd like to be, like, fear can be a fun emotion in a managed way. Mm-hmm. I think we also like to just think about the range of human psychology, just how 
bizarre things can get. Mm -hmm. And I think that... It's kind of reassuring, right? No matter how messed up I think I am. <laughs> there's always someone worse and sometimes a lot worse. And it's like, okay, I'm not so bad. <laughs> I'm good enough. I'm smart enough. And doggone it, I didn't kill a whole family full of people. <laughs> well, it's, I, I also think that that's why often when serial killers' motivations gets, get too unbelievable, it's just not very... It's not as entertaining. You know, mm -hmm. so I remember there was a, an, a season in Dexter where the, the main serial killer was motivated by, for, by, by religious kinds of considerations, and they mm -hmm. just didn't ring true. Like, no serial killer you've ever heard of is motivated by that. Right, and, and not even just sort of religious beliefs in the most generic way. It was almost like the, the numerology of the Bible yeah. leading to... Okay. The horsemen of the apocalypse, or yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. A, you know, so there's, it's, it's, it's actually a, you know, it's something that comes up, came up with both Dahmer and Richard Ramirez in real life that they claim to be uh, motivated or partially motivated by satanic mm -hmm. types of things, but then you wonder how seriously to take that, right, um, right. They just felt like they were evil, um, you know. And then we have Summer of Sam, where um, with Berkowitz and the dog basically wouldn't stop barking. But that's highly fictional, right, Tom? Um, well, Berkowitz, that, Berkowitz did claim that that's what his motivation was. Mm -hmm. But then um, I've also read that he's told various people that that was nonsense. I mean, it's fairly common for human beings to be motivated by a kind of voyeurism if, in mm -hmm. any event. I mean, so I'm just thinking about other kinds of films that, that people watch and movies get made over and over again with these themes like war films, mm -hmm. you know. War is hell. You would think this wouldn't be an experience that anybody would voluntarily want to like sit through, mm -hmm. but there'll be whole films about battles or, you know, there's lots of films about the Holocaust. Yeah. Yeah. And it, you know, for that matter, I mean, just think of people watching soap operas, right? Mm -hmm. It's just some attraction to drama that you wouldn't mm -hmm. want to live through, mm -hmm. you know, people sure. going through painful divorces and all of that. You kind of wonder what, if, whether when we're watching these kinds of things, we're succumbing to something vicious in our characters mm -hmm. or not. I mean, I'm of two minds about it. So on the one hand, it kind of seems like it's related to our general tendency to like, you know, rubberneck at a car accident and, you know, see what's happened or, um, or, or our tendency, you know, it, it used to be the case before our um, criminal justice system maybe became slightly more humane. <laughs> That, that people would show up to watch public executions or public right, acts of right. torture or something like that. And people genuinely took this to be a good time for the whole family. Yeah, they, they do a bit of, about that in um, Monty Python's Life of Brian, right? So there's a stoning and everybody shows up and they're, mm -hmm. you know, having snacks. Yeah, and, right, right. Um, it's like, like oh, watching boy, a movie a or day. something. Yeah. yeah. And then there's a flip side to that too, right? So... Um, you know, you wonder how healthy it is to sort of watch these things. Um, it seems to me no less healthy than someone that's sort of a Pollyanna about life, right? Mm -hmm. um, such that they're not going to watch anything with any kind of negativity. I can understand mm -hmm. people wanting their escapism to be very pleasant mm -hmm. and all of that. Um, but they're, you know, so I guess they're, they're both sort of equally healthy. But if, if one were to be unhealthy... The other would strike me as unhealthy for similar reasons, mm -hmm. but inverted. Um, yeah, I, I think it probably has to depend on the way the content is being presented and 
what's being encouraged out of the audience, right? I mean, so so if it's just voyeurism, could be good, could be neutral, could even just be could even be good, right? If if mm-hmm. you're just entertained and there's nothing else to it, um, could be really good if the content is encouraging you to, I don't know, think think about how society could improve, mm-hmm. think about how we could better um, serve victimized populations or mm-hmm. mentally ill individuals or yeah how the perpetrators perpetrators got that way and so forth right. and what we might do to right changing social you know improving social services or something like that um but then you could also imagine a scenario where this stuff gets glorified and presented in a way that makes makes being violent seem cool mm-hmm. or something um well yeah in fact so one of the things i wanted to say is uh we react really differently in the case of fictionalized serial killers or just outright fictional serial killers than we do with uh, real serial killers, uh, you know, television shows about real serial killers. So I'm thinking, think about how we react to characters like Dexter uh-huh. um, or maybe more timely uh, folks will be more familiar with um, the main character from You uh-huh. or then good old um, Hannibal Lecter. Right. I mean, all of these characters are portrayed as protagonists. Right. Right. You're yeah. cheering for them. You hope they don't get caught. It's mm-hmm. it's strange. Yeah. Hannibal's the, sort of the most interesting case of the three, um, because there are points in at least Silence of the Lambs, which would be yeah, the second book in the, the series mm-hmm. um, where it's Hannibal at odds with Clarice, who's even more of a protagonist. But like in, in you and Dexter, just. They are the main protagonist. You never want them to get caught. You never, you know, want anything bad to happen to them. Um, but so yeah. But what's weird? And you like them. What makes it even stranger, though, I think, in Silence of the Lambs, is at sometimes Hannibal is at odds with Clarice, but in another way, it's a love story between Clarice and, and Lecter, and especially well, as the this, especially as it advances into. Um, Later, you know, to the to Hannibal. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, even even in Silence, because I said that, you know, I thought sometimes um, at the end of Silence of the Lambs, right, where Hannibal's out and he calls Clarice mm-hmm. and a friend said, "Are you frightened?" She's like, "No, uh-huh. that would be in bad taste." And he's like, "You don't kill your friends, you, yeah. <laughs> you know." Yeah. They they were buddies, kind of in love and and heading that way through, it, through the books. It, well, yeah, well it. Spoiler alert. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, and, and, just to go back to my, my book, spoiler alert. So many decades ago, we're fine. <laughs> well, no, uh, th- th- I was going to say something else. In, oh. in the book, Hannibal, mm-hmm. um, Clarice and Hannibal end up together. Oh. So they, they went in a different direction in the movie. Crap. Now everyone's going to know I didn't read the book. I did read it. I just didn't read that page. <laughs> well, so, I mean, it... it yeah, I, I wasn't aware of that. That's great. Yeah, yeah. that's... I mean, so so Jodie Foster uh, refused to play the role of Starling again. Oh, I remember In part that. for that reason. Yeah, Because, you know, right. Silence of the Lambs, it was... You know, in Silence of the Lambs, it was sort of insinuated. There was some suggestion that there was maybe some romantic attraction between them. But in Hannibal, they go for it. Yeah, yeah. So, and then um, even in the film, right? Julianne Moore and Hannibal um, are are together at the end. No. 
And the nature of the serial killers in these shows is always, I mean, they're almost godlike, you know, or, or demon-like, however you want to put it, but they're, you know, they're omniscient figures, practically. They're always a step ahead of the, the cops, and they're always, it's, they're, their objective is never just to kill people. Their objective is always to play cat and mouse with the police officers, mm-hmm. right? And then, and then the police officers are never just police officers. They're always these Sherlock Holmes figures who are, you know, who always like have a drinking problem and um, you know, whatever, but they're, you know, they're, they're, they're haunted, but they're dedicated, you know, and they're mm-hmm. going to, they're going to catch the, um, the omniscient serial killer, right, beat them at their own cause, game or whatever. Because they're smarter dead drunk than all the rest of the cops <laughs> combined. Silver. So, so that's, you know, and we tend to like that dynamic. We like that Sherlock Holmes thing. Um, but then, you know, we're, we're always, the, in, in those cases, it maybe makes sense that we're interested in the serial killer dynamic because the serial killer is not really portrayed as what a serial killer would be like. And the cops aren't, compl- aren't portrayed the way the cops would be. I mean, I mean, in real life, serial killers are not usually caught by this dogged detective who's been chasing them, right? I mean, in real life, serial killers are, you know, stopped for by just like beat cops or whatever highway patrol for driving erratically in traffic mm-hmm. or something like that. And they just happen to have made a lucky arrest right? or, or something like that. You know, it's, it's very rarely, I mean, goodness on criminal minds, what you'll see is like an FBI agent who constructs a profile of a serial killer who is then also the person boots on the ground there when the serial killer is captured and they're, profile you know directly leads to the arrest in such a way that they're the ones doing the arrest which just is ridiculous Mm -hmm. (laughs) it would never happen that way (laughs) right i mean this wouldn't even be their jurisdiction uh the the cops in the area would be the ones making the arrest if indeed the profile led to the arrest in that sort of a way uh so so i uh you know that so maybe that's one of the reasons why we like these fictional serial killers is that they, they just contribute to our general attraction to Sherlock Holmes type narratives mm-hmm. and they don't track reality. But then, then it gets really interesting when we, we talk about when there are shows about real serial killers and there, there are two general categories of these that, that I think pull us in different directions, maybe just a little. Mm-hmm. Um, so like the documentary about a serial killer and the dramatization of the life of a serial killer. So simultaneous, right, simultaneously, we have right now two shows that are doing really well on Netflix. One is, um, you know, Conversations with the Killer, the Dahmer tapes or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, I don't know what order these came out in, but there's, there are three of these there's, that I'm aware of. There's, there's one dedicated to Ted Bundy, one dedicated to John Wayne Gacy, and one dedicated to Jeffrey Dahmer. Oh, they're all part of the same series. The I think so. Okay. Yeah, I think so. I think they're all conversations with the killer, and they're, um, you know, they they're like three episodes each, and they talk to you know they're they're pretty good little documentaries as far as the you know they they talk to family members, they talk to neighbors, you know, childhood friends, and they kind of do. There's a whole story of the um, the person in question and and to the victims. There's mm-hmm. often family members of the victims and whatever um, interviewed as they, as they tell a, a pretty in-depth deep dive narrative of the whole situation. So I haven't seen any of these. So none mm-hmm. of these put any dramatization in. Nope. 
Right. Uh, I mean, sometimes they do. Like if you watch true crime on Investigation Discovery, you'll see little dramatizations. Mm. But on these, typically not. You know, they might show... Um, because all, anytime you have a documentary, it's going to interview some people, but also show something on the screen. Mm-hmm. But what it's more likely to show on the screen is like, um, you know, the university where they found... Yeah. You know, they encountered their victims. Or Panning whatever. over newspaper headlines. Yeah, that kind of a thing. Like that. Yeah. So it's it's like that show we watch, Rome, without the the little pornographic. <laughs> yeah, that was weird. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. that's right. We, we so, got to do an episode, maybe even a whole season on that. That was crazy. Anyway, no, you know. I, I think we best not do that. <laughs> but I think so. So the thing that I think is interesting, and this kind of gets us to the to to the. I shouldn't say meat. Um, <laughs> no, you really that's shouldn't. Bad impulse. Um, that 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 gets us to the uh, to Don't the, say hard either. <laughs> but that gets us to to crux. the crux of the matter. Yeah, I mean that um, people got really upset about this Dahmer show. This Dahmer show was tremendously controversial. And by the Dahmer show, I mean um, the the Ryan Murphy yeah, Dahmer, Dahmer. yeah show called Dahmer starring Evan Peters. Um, people were people were really upset uh, for a variety of reasons, and I, I, I think those reasons. Um, I mean, I think they're compelling. I think the reasons are compelling. I'm not. I'm not sure all things considered how I feel about it, but uh, it's worth talking about. Mm-hmm. You know. So, um, so uh, people raised a number of critiques, um, and and so just kind of generally, I thought it would be interesting to talk about the fact that people are not raising those same critiques about the documentary. <laughs> um, you know, conversations with the killer, um, Jeffrey Dahmer tapes, you know, they're not saying, so first of all, two, I, I would say there are two major lines of critique. One is that these kinds of shows are just inherently exploitative. Mm-hmm. That they, ex, you know, exploit someone else's pain for entertainment value. Right. Um, and so, and Sensationalizing then. Sensationalizing. Right. Uh-huh. As much as absolutely possible. Yeah. yeah. And it's interesting because we were watching, um, we watched Nope last weekend mm-hmm. with Henry and um, our son. And, and he he liked the show. He he had us watch Nope because he liked it so much. And he was telling us that the, the main theme in it is pretty abstract Mm-hmm. kind of sci-fi slash horror or suspense or something, but it's about sensationalism. And then I, we were watching Dahmer at the same time in the evening and I was like, hmm, you know, I mean, this is sensationalism. Yeah. And we should just tell the listeners we're going to come back to Nope next week um, because that episode is on the films of Jordan Peele. Right? Yeah. The second of our Halloween episodes this year. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. So, so, so yeah, there's, there's some sensationalism and, you, one might think that the the pain of victims is, is being exploited for entertainment value. Okay, so so there's that concern, and then the second concern is that um, the families are being re-victimized, re-traumatized by having to to watch this show be super power or super popular and have a whole new, maybe even two generations of people um, learn this Dahmer story again, and mm-hmm. you know, and everything. Yeah, I, I wonder, um, you know, to the second question, um, let, let's just grant for the sake of argument that, that that's happening, right? That the, the victims go through it again and again, uh, or sorry, their, their families go through it, mm-hmm. the families of the victims as well as the, the family of the perpetrator mm-hmm. and so forth, to, to the extent that they're still around. I mean, if you do a story in Ed Gein, 
Um, mm-hmm. I think that might be far enough in the past that not many of those people right. are, are living. But in yeah, the, the case of Dahmer, I think uh, probably none of them are. Yeah. Yeah. yeah mm-hmm. um, you know, some young cousins or something. But in the case of Dahmer, we can grant for the sake of argument that, that that's sort of bad that they go through that again. Um, but you might wonder where the blame for that badness lies. Mm-hmm. Um, so if Ryan Murphy doesn't make Dahmer, they don't go through it again. So there's this, this sort of causal thing you can point to and straight to the, the makers of the show. Um, but also it's sort of unrealistic to expect if you do really heinous things, the kind of things that you know will be in the news quite a bit, mm-hmm. um, that it won't capture the attention of of the artists. Mm-hmm. So, for example, you know we go to war. Um, you know I grew up in the, you know just after World War II. Um, yeah, about I was born about fifteen years after it ended. Um, but in, you know, and what at the time was considered the aftermath of it. Um, Seven movies out of eight that you know yeah. were playing in the matinee on Saturday right. were about the heroes of World War II and right. telling specific stories over and over. And then and Vietnam was that way. You know, you start off with some horrors of war movie right after Vietnam, and that morphs into Vietnam movies about specific offenses and the specific battles, and so mm-hmm. forth. So you know, when these kinds of things happen that are such big news, yeah, um, the it's it's virtually inevitable that they are going to be documented by filmmakers, playwrights, painters, mm-hmm. poets, you know, mm-hmm. philosophers, and, and and so forth. Um, I, I mean, think about his, Shakespeare's histories. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's just this has been happening forever, recapturing historical events and telling them again. So then that sort of raises the question: Yeah, you know, given that there's this kind of inevitability about it, to what extent is does the badness for the victims going through this over and over and over again, and again, their families, this is what I'm talking about, um, fall on Ryan Murphy and, and people who make those sorts of things, mm-hmm. as opposed to the, the person who originally perpetrated the crime. Yeah, that's right. And I also think, um, you know, I'm, I'm wondering of the people who are raising this, and I'm not even saying that I don't agree with, with their criticism. I'm just, you know, discussing it. Um, the people who are raising it, many of them are, are the many of the people I've seen raising it are are young, like Gen Zs, mm-hmm. and um, this is maybe the very first time they've heard of Jeffrey Dahmer. <laughs> from from my perspective, I mean, um, there are a zillion books about Jeffrey Dahmer. There have been like a number of movies about Jeffrey Dahmer, mm-hmm. uh, more podcasts than you could count. So, so I wonder why, you know, this seems uniquely to bother people. The, mm-hmm. the, this particular uh, instantiation, of, uh, this particular show about Jeffrey Dahmer. And I don't think it's, it, uh, look, I've seen a lot of this stuff. And it's, I mean, I, arguably this is a more sensitive telling of this story mm-hmm. um, than other tellings. I mean, y- you learn way more about, the victims as people in in this version of it than you do in any other telling that I've seen. Right, right. And I mean, and then some of it's fictionalized. So, so you might wonder if that's disrespectful. But you know, um, given that we don't know a ton of facts, some of it had to be filled in. But um, there at least seemed to be some attempt to humanize victims and not just make them like. 
Right. Which numbers. could actually be good for victims' families, right? Mm-hmm. They, in some cases, I suspect they might appreciate it. Mm-hmm. For example, in Dahmer, yeah, they, uh, Tony, right, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. gets presented as a wonderful person. If you're Tony's mm-hmm. family, you might be thinking, gosh, we're going through this again. It's all over the news. On the other hand, um, you might be thinking, wow, that, that was a beautiful portrayal mm-hmm. of, of a beautiful person. Yeah. I just want to say you said about the, the kids not knowing Dahmer. I teach, um, you know, almost every semester, sometimes more than once, um, utilitarianism where some examples about Jeffrey Dahmer um, come up. And um, I've noticed that the, the kids less and less know who that is. So I'm yeah. grateful for the Netflix series, <laughs> if only because I feel like for the next five years, People aren't going to go, who? When you do your utilitarianism. Yeah, it's like, how do you know you're you're not rescuing the next Jeffrey Dahmer? It's like, Uh oh, yeah, good good point. Yeah, right, right. Um, Also, you know, there's just something about, um, you know, free speech and, um, you know, freedom of artistic expression. That was an amazing portrait of Jeffrey Dahmer. Um, Mm -hmm. They, you know, is, is sort of different from the other things that I've seen. Yeah, oh. uh, which admittedly aren't as many yeah. as you, but no, um, I agree. Yeah, the, the, the sheer richness of it sort of makes it say, well, that, that seems artistically very worthwhile. There was another objection to it that was that's related to what you just said, which is um, people were uh, bothered that Dahmer seemed too humanized in this story. Mm-hmm. And and I was just sort of like, yeah, but he, he was a human. Like, <laughs> you know, we have, we have these, we have this... Um, desire with the worst of the worst criminals to say no we all agree that this person was an unmitigated monster Mm -hmm. as if they you know never exhibited a human quality in their entire lives and i just don't know what good that's doing anyone yeah you know it's a you know i mean in fact i think it's it's better for our well it's better for a number of reasons for us to recognize that people like that do exhibit human traits because they're humans, right? So for one reason, uh, or one reason is that that would overcome this. You know, people always say like, he didn't seem like a serial killer or he, he didn't look like a serial killer. And it's like, yeah, that's because serial killers just look like human beings. There is no like... It's not like he's going to look like Sasquatch or something like that. Right, right. Like, right. That's the Wednesday Adam jokes. Adam's joke from the first Adam's Family movie. I'm going as a homicidal maniac. They look like they, everybody. They else. look like everybody yeah, else. Yeah, yeah. So it's you know, so so you know, when people say something like, "Well, I didn't think Ted Bundy could have been a serial killer because he volunteered at a rape crisis center or something," it's like, yeah, and all serial killers can and do exhibit those kinds of traits unless what's causing them to kill is you know like you know extreme schizophrenia or something which is rare mm-hmm. you know most schizophrenics are not dangerous right um, and, and most serial killers are not schizophrenics but yeah a couple of legal issues that come up that sort of relate to this right so there's the great scene with the judge who you know um gets Dahmer for something else and says well you don't look like you belong in prison uh-huh. and lets him go right and so mm-hmm. that that um actually happened um we need to rethink in our country who we think should be in prison, mm-hmm. um, and it shouldn't be based on looks, right? So instantly when that happened, I went right to um, Brock, I forget his last name, from Stanford, who... Oh, raped, that rapist, yeah. Yeah, I think Turner, but maybe not. Yeah. Um, raped the girl when she's unconscious, and, mm-hmm. well, I don't want to mess with your career. You're a Stanford man, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, 
six months will you'll be out in two and a half or something like that. The the second sort of legal issue is they they had Dummer some trials. So we've got this idea that you know well he's that person's just you know pure evil and some such, but the legal standard uh, by which he was tried, um, you know, for insanity or for competence to stand trial, uh, had a very unusual threshold. So legally, Dahmer doesn't come out as as um, mentally unable to to mm-hmm. um, to stand trial, right? And, and so they just say, nope, you're just going to be tried for your crimes. Um, and we really need to rethink a lot. Um, spend a lot of time rethinking um, the the insanity defense, um, and you know um, whether the question, well, you know, were you able to articulate to yourself this was wrong mm-hmm. as as being the sole threshold? Yeah, I my my guess is that we will never do that. That that's that's what um, the morality morality would require. That I think, like, if we really want to treat people fairly, but I think you know all of the people involved here, you know prosecutors often have political aspirations and things like that. And nobody wants to be the person who found Jeffrey Dahmer not guilty by reason of insanity Mm -hmm. or, or who even not even that, because that would be on the jury, of course, but no one even wants to, um, like that's not, that's not an option. Anybody even wants to pursue. They don't want to consider he's not competent to stand trial. Um, yeah, no, that's too bad. But so one thing that I appreciate about, appreciate about, shows like this and this one in particular, even if the other considerations that people raise outweigh it, is it's got us having that conversation, right? Mm-hmm. We, we need to press on that more and more. And real life cases of real life criminals are the best way to, to get the idea out there that, that there's something wrong with our standards. Well, the judicial system is just a mess. The, the other thing that you said that um, I think that, that Ryan Murphy's Dahmer illustrates really well, again, in a way that other Dahmer shows haven't. And I think this is one of his explicit goals is to, to really explore the, the racism and homophobia that happened. I mean, it was a major part of the crime Mm -hmm. or not, I should say a major part of the events that took place. Right. So, um, one of Dahmer's victims got free. I mean, granted he'd already drilled a hole in his head. So his prospects were probably not great. Um, but you know, he had got free and ran out into the street and a, couple, a group of um, women who, or I think two or three women, were, uh, they were black women. They uh, called the police, or they flagged down a police officer and expressed concern about this person who turned out to be a, a child, a 14-year-old 14 boy. Yeah. And the, the, the police officers, Dahmer came down the street. He'd been at the liquor store, and that's why the, or, you know, the bar or something, picking up some beer. And that's how the, the, the child victim was able to escape. Um, but when Dahmer said, oh, this is just my boyfriend, he's just drunk. We're co- having a fight. Right? The cops believed the white guy, who, by the way, was a serial killer, and actually brought the victim back to Dahmer's house. And he killed him. And, and, the, and where he killed him. But, 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 and also, if the cops had even gone outside, there was a dead body lying on the floor in Dahmer's room. Yeah. You know, right. I mean, it just, like, it would have been so easy. And then as soon as they got out to the car... They, when they, they called the situation back into, you know, get reported back to dispatch or whatever, what had happened, they were making jokes about being de-loused 
because of the mm-hmm. situation they had just found themselves in. Yeah. Um, seemingly some homophobic remark. But they, they didn't take the, the report of the black women seriously. There was this testimonial injustice issue mm-hmm. and then um, or epistemic injustice. Yeah. And and um, But you're right, it's the testimonial version of epistemic right. injustice. So. Right. And 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 then also the the homophobia that made them too squeamish to investigate the situation further. So it just you know, and, and that's highlighted throughout. Um, and I thought to its discredit, like even exaggerated sometimes, like the, 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 the neighbor character was multiple characters rolled into one and they had her doing things that she didn't actually do, which made the racism even worse, but the racism was bad enough on its own. All right. So, so we talk about this phenomenon yeah, more sure. generally. Sure. Okay. Hello listeners. <laughs> <laughs> if, if you know me personally, um, I'm going to talk about something that you might do. Just stop. Um, <laughs> Rach knows what I'm, I'm... One of my biggest pet peeves in life is people that exaggerate the goodness or badness of something for dramatic effect. Um, and in my case, I, I don't like it um, because it means that the thing that happened doesn't... You know, it seems to entail that the thing that happens isn't worthwhile on its own. So give an example. So, yeah, I've got an example. So, you know, I, did, I published something early in my career and I... Um, told a friend about it and um, the you know friend was nice and, and proud and supportive um, was telling another friend about it I was there and he's like oh yeah Richard got this this great publication and described it in such a way that it was this earth-shattering thing that was you know going to change philosophy and I don't think he got that from what I was saying it just felt like when he told the story it, it didn't feel like it was enough to just say good publication in a good journal, right? Uh-huh. And so it, it got built into this thing that's more. And and my reaction to that is, well, gosh, wasn't the thing that I did just fine on its own, right? right. And and then people will do that with badness too. It's like, oh, someone did this, this horrible thing, but they'll exaggerate it um, as as if, you know, just the, the, the badness that's sort of inherently there. Um, isn't that bad and you know and who cares about that well and like in this particular case um some really bad things some racist kinds of things happened with the cops Mm -hmm. in the Dahmer case and they don't have to feel as bad when they watch this they'll say oh they're making it seem a lot worse I guess what we did wasn't that bad after (laughs) all right or it was yeah it was it was sufficiently ambiguously bad that we had to exaggerate it. Like, no, it, the, the racism in this case was bad. Right? Yeah, yeah. You don't need to make it worse. Well, yeah. well like they documented have, bad. They roll the, the character, the neighbor character in with a bunch of other characters. And then that results in her calling the cops on Dahmer like every day. And this, mm-hmm. this was just not, or just, or many, many times. And that was just not his next door neighbor that was doing that. Like it just, it, the, the situation is all distorted. Um, right. So the cops watching, they'll say, Oh, we weren't as unresponsive as they made us out to be. Mm-hmm. We're not so bad after all. I was like, but an accurate portrayal of that would have put them in in a really horrendous mm-hmm. light anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but overall, I mean, I think it, it. I think you definitely left. It was not you didn't leave the show wondering if racism and homophobia were a problem. Like it was clear. Yeah. So no. so so that was that was a, a thing that I think you know was was an was important an important message to get out because I think. Um, you know, for instance, folks don't always understand what is meant by systemic racism. 
And so obviously there was some, or systemic homophobia, um, heteronormativity or something. And, and obviously there was some pretty explicit racism and, and heteronormativity in play and that it contributed to a lot of this. But there were also, there's also, I think this is, the show illustrates in a really compelling way how these problems can be systemic. You know, systemically, cops are not, you know, one of the dominant themes of the show is that the you know, people were just not noticing or caring where these members of the gay community were going. They were just disappearing. And it was during um, the AIDS epidemic and, you know, discriminatory attitudes about that just led to police officers and, and others in the community not watching, not caring, not, you know, paying attention to where black youth were going or even that they were going missing. Mm -hmm. And so it just created fertile ground for this kind of thing to happen. Um, and surely it was Jeffrey Dahmer's fault, but you know, it, but, but there were these systemic problems that prevented it from, or that they really caused it to go on long for longer than it should have. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and so related to that, you know, one nice feature of it is part of the point of the story is Dahmer's a monster. Uh, but that's not the only badness there. Mm -hmm. So, like, you know, his father, who, you know, sort of accepted a lot of responsibility for that and how he raised him and, and focused on certain events in his life that maybe turned Dahmer into that, um, doesn't seem to acknowledge other things. So very early on, Dahmer saying, I have these kinds of feelings, and the dad changes the subject. Oh, we don't mm -hmm. want to talk about that. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about what, you know, I forget what it was. What a happy Christmas we're all going to have. Yeah. Or some such. You know, and, and that sort of highlights how uncomfortable people are um, talking about, say, mental illness, mm -hmm. right? If a child mm -hmm. comes to you and says, I, you know, I have mental problems, um, you might not want to hear it, right? Mm -hmm. But they, they might have avoided a lot of pain and suffering and a lot of death mm -hmm. by addressing that early on, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know? And I think, if I remember correctly, that was before Dahmer killed. Just... It was just, I think, right after he killed his first victim. So his, his, first he one. had killed that hitchhiker when he was abandoned in his home. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, he was, well, he was 18 and his parents had both moved out of the house and he was just there by himself. And then his dad came back and, and came into the house and just saw alcohol bottles everywhere and realized, oh, he's, my 18 year old son has gone off the cliff of alcoholism and decided, uh oh, I better be worried. And while in that state, he had killed someone yeah. and was trying to tell his dad about it. I don't know if that's true, you know, but yeah. it, it, it at least, you know. But the show's highlighting that sort of mm -hmm. phenomenon, which right. I think is not terribly uncommon. So and so it starts conversations like this. If you talk about the content of the show, you're talking about a lot of important social issues. And so I don't know. I don't know that I think that that's ever a bad thing. Especially, I mean, that's that's what the exercise of free speech is supposed to do it, at its best is get people talking about controversial things. Now, just. Relatedly, though, I guess one concern that people have is uh, that the victims' families weren't compensated, right? That this is a show about their families, mm -hmm. about the victims and their families. In many cases, they're, you know, casting someone who looks just like so-and-so's mother, and so-and-so's mother is still alive, and they're making money off of her story, and yeah. they're not compensating them at all. Um, but then, of course, that that always happens. And, and that's not to say that, I mean, obviously that, that that's, it's, it would be fallacious to say that because it always happens, it's fine. But, um, but we would have to employ a new social standard. I mean, just think about 
television shows that are made about or, or movies that are made about presidents or yeah, about yeah. you know major world events where though you know it's it's very much the case that the those those people are very much still alive. Yeah, I'd be in favor of giving them thirty percent of the profits. This this thing cleaned up. No, no, yeah, I don't, I, I don't. I, that that criticism is not. I think it's a weighty criticism. Yeah, yeah. I, I, you know, so I guess there's a question of whether it's, um, whether it would simply be, you know, whether that's super erogatory, yeah. right? Whether it would be good to do but not bad not to do, or whether the producers of the show are in some sense obligated. Right. To, right. Know? Right. Yeah. Right. And and there are other precedents and mm-hmm. yeah, the Lewinsky shows and right. and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. So sure. Okay, right. What are we liking this week? Well, we've been talking about Dahmer and The Watcher. Yep, just started watching The Watcher. Um, another Ryan Murphy, really good. Um, so, I don't want to spoil any of that because it's it's brand new mm-hmm. out, but. Um, but if you like, I mean, I was kind of thinking if you like Murder House, uh, uh, Ryan Murphy's first season of American Horror Story, this has some vibes in common. Yeah. And it's, yeah. it's got a lot of fun horror movie tropes that you'll enjoy. Yeah. There's Good. something Amityville horror Yep. There's something shining-y. And it um, has Naomi Watts. Mm-hmm. And um, Bobby Cannavale, uh, you know. Yeah, there's a ton of, uh, Mia Farrow is in it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Great cast. Richard Kind and and the lady who looks like the lady um, who played Aunt Lydia in A Handmaid's Tale, but is not Aunt Lydia, <laughs> yeah. who's always great. Yeah, lots of fun. Um, so yeah, so we mentioned Nope. We're going to talk about that um, next week. But um, Jordan Peele never disappoints. Um, we're still in our Breaking Bad universe. Um, what are we in? Halfway through or more than halfway through season four of Better Call Saul. So. Mm-hmm. A little bit of that going on. Um, and then I'll just briefly mention one not liking. Um, if, if you're a regular listener, you know we listen, we watch a lot of um, stand-up comedy. Mm-hmm. And I think we were both very excited about um, Nick Kroll's latest special, right? Little Big Boy. Um, and I've never seen him do stand-up before other than just little bits here and there. But you're so funny on Comedy Bang Bang. Yeah, I just, you know, and I loved him on that and loved him on walk-on parts on lots of things. Um, and boy, and I just sat there going, oh, none of this is funny. And it's very base. And yeah. I, I was, um, I guess I want to say shocked at just how unfunny it, it yeah. managed to be. Yeah. All right, Rates. Well, that's a wrap. Episode 68 is in the can. We'll be back in a week or two with our next episode. Thank you very much for listening. If you would like to support this podcast, please go to our webpage. That's ithinkthereforeifan.com, all one word. Click on the link that says donate and become a Patreon sponsor. Um, Any gift is appreciated. Although, to be honest, the more you give, the more we appreciate you. All right, see you soon.